The Small Queendom Podcast, Episode 4. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today, I get to introduce you to my friend, Amanda Trent. Amanda is the person in my life when I need a third party, impartial voice of reason or some wise words I turn to. And she is just so faithful in that to me and just such a wonderful, a wonderful person. I'm really excited for you to get to know her. Now, Amanda and her awesome husband, Brian, live in South Carolina, where they homeschool and raise their six children. They are also head pastors of Lighthouse Church, and on top of that, have a thriving and dynamic business as diamonds in doTERRA. So basically, Amanda and Brian are this awesome picture of what it means to truly lead, live, and love in all areas of their life, and I really look up to them for that reason. And without further ado... Here's Amanda. Hey, Amanda. Thank you so much for joining me today. You are just, oh, you're one of my best friends, and I just love that you are here on my podcast with me. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's an honor. I was thrilled when you asked. So I know that you all just got back from your trip last night. So how was that? Where did you all go? Oh, gosh, we had so much fun. We actually just went up to Boone, North Carolina, Um, but it was beautiful. We live in the low country now. We're near the beach, the swamps, the, um, you know, salt water, all of those fun things. But we grew up in the mountains, and so we still want our kids to get to experience some of the things that we experienced, like skipping rocks in the river, riding inner tubes down the river, um, you know, hiking in the mountains, climbing the rocks and the boulders and (laughs) sliding in the mud, just uh, country hillbilly things. And so we got to experience that. It was so much fun for our kids. Um, They're South Carolinians now, though. They've spent the majority of their lives here, and we just want to keep them connected to their roots. That is so wonderful. And for the folks that don't know, um, you have six children. Your oldest daughter just got married. But can you tell us the ages and the names of your other children so we have that for reference? Sure. Our oldest, Katie, is a newlywed and she's 20. Um, Our next oldest is Gracie. She's 16. She'll turn 17 this summer. It's getting close. Yeah. And then we have Emery, who's 13. So three teenage girls. And then we have three little boys, Judah, who's 10, Josiah, who's six, and Jonan, who's three, but thinks he's 20. What's it like traveling with five children? Well, it takes a really big vehicle. We drive a Suburban (laughs) and we pack it out with people and stuff. Um, And we do try to minimize what we take when we travel, but um, when you travel with seven, it's still a lot of stuff. We make it work and uh, we always have a really good time. Road trips are actually one of our favorite things and um, we try to be very intentional about parenting our children and we want them to have lots of experiences. And so um, seeing our country and traveling to a lot of different states has always been a high priority for us. 
And um, even when we had Katie and there was eight of us in our Suburban and eight pieces of luggage, um, we still made it work. And we always do laundry when we travel, especially for okay. more than just a few days. You just plan for that. So then you don't have to pack for 10 days worth of clothes. You only need a few, little bit of clothes and you know you're going to be able to reuse those. Absolutely. It makes it, it makes it much more worth it. And then you get to come home and have less laundry to do at the end of the trip. <laughs> I'm taking notes here. Um, so, you know, our children, we have a five-year-old and 18-month-old right now, and we do want to take road trips too. And I remember enjoying them as a child, but what kind of expectations or things do you talk about with your children when you're like, okay, we're about to be in the car for a couple days. Because I know a few years back, you went out west which was a very long journey. So what kind of conversations do you have, especially with your little ones, to just help them be ready to be still for a while? Well, we do, we, we plan stops. And so we set a small goal. We have a, a big travel goal for the day, a big destination, but we set several small destinations throughout the day. So they know they have something to look forward to. And they know that in just a couple of hours or you know, three hours, they're going to stop and we're going to get out and see this thing. When we went out West, um, we stayed, we tried to, especially coming back, we traveled a lot along Route 66 and there's some really cool landmarks all along the way. And we would stop and see them. And some of them were just kind of um, crazy, like a big rabbit on the side of the road, like a <laughs> ginormous 25 foot rabbit. But it was still fun for them, even if we just hopped out for a few minutes and they got to take pictures or whatever. But um, one of the definitely one of the most important road tripping with children is to have um, a big destination, a big goal for the travel day, but to have several small destinations and small goals so they can break it up and look forward to it. Of course, snacks are important. Yes. <laughs> and so sometimes um, on road trip days, they get some snacks they may not normally get throughout the rest of the you know, our, our diet, um, Vacation some, some special, yes, yeah, some special things. And then, um, we do use devices when we travel just because that's a treat totally. too. And, um, there's some really great apps that you can get. Um, our, one of ours that we just got for this past trip was a fun reading app and, um, Josiah and Jonah both got to play it and it kept up with each of their, um, progress and it would get harder and challenge them more as they went. And so that was a really fun thing for them because they don't normally get to do that. Oh, wow. Do you remember what that was called? It was Homer. H-O-M-E-R. Homer. Okay. All right. That, I'm writing that one down for myself. Now I was, I was following along with your Instagram stories, which I love Instagram stories. Um, Adam always says that I'm watching like my version of TV because we don't have a TV in our home. And, um, I love Instagram stories and especially following my friends. And Brian said something so beautiful to you. And I just, I wanted to share that because, oh man, it was so beautiful. And it just hit me right in the heart. It was about time for you all to go. And can you talk to me about that conversation? Sure. It was the, um, the day before our last day at um, vacation. And 
I just was feeling all sentimental because we've had such a great trip and it's coming to an end. And I said, are you sad? It's our last day. And he said, no, I'm not. Because when you have, when you love your life, it doesn't matter if you're on vacation or you're at home, you just love your life. And I loved that so much um, because it just reaffirms that we're doing life the way we want. We're doing it intentionally and we don't need a vacation from our real life because we love it. And so vacation has a different meaning for us because we do love our life. We don't need mm. to escape it. Oh, that makes me so teary eyed. I just, I, I just, I love that so much. And I think that really speaks to, you know, when Adam and I, we, we, you know, talk about how wonderful we think your children are and just just the stellar parents that you and Brian are you know we just we can just see that there's so much love and that you genuinely enjoy being around your children and I think like obviously no family's perfect I'm sure that there are raised voices and I'm sorry for saying that I'm sure that there that happens but you know I think that sometimes life can get away from us and we wake up frustrated one day and, you know, maybe there's someone that feels like I don't like it being around my children, you know, or I'm, this is not fun anymore. Like, what would you say to that person that kind of needs to redirect their focus in their life or they need to get back to those simple enjoyment of those simple things with their children. So every day can be a delight. What would you say to that? Well, for sure, no family is perfect. And there are definitely good moments and bad moments, but they are just moments. And the goal is that every day is mostly a wonderful and happy day and that we don't let just little hiccups and little frustrations change the whole course, the whole thermostat of our day. So when Brian and I were newlyweds, when we were first married, we had friends who act to be honest. Um, and, and I've never, I would never disclose who these friends are, but when they would come around with their children, we didn't have a good time. We mm. loved them as friends and we really enjoyed their company, but their children just were really rowdy and um, you couldn't like, you couldn't take your eyes off of them for a second. They were just grabbing things and really destroying things. And I can remember us talking about it then that it was important to us to raise kids that we enjoyed being around. And so um, some of the things that we've applied over the years that have really helped us is is not to raise our voice. And it doesn't mean Mm. that we're perfect at it or that we don't have moments where we raise our voice. But um, I remember working at a summer camp as a camp counselor um, when I was in college. And (laughs) One I did things. too. How you did? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I got, there was one week and I'm a pretty soft spoken person and um, my voice doesn't carry super well, but there was one week that I had these sisters in my cabin who just wouldn't listen. They, mm-hmm. you know, I could say things over and over and they wouldn't listen until I got so frustrated that I would raise my voice at them. And I thought I was a terrible person. Mm-hmm. I went to the camp director. I was like, you know, maybe I, maybe this is not a job for me because I'm yelling at these kids and I'll never forget the camp counselor's response. She said, there are just some kids who grow up in homes where their parents yell and they know that they, that you don't have, they don't have to take their parents serious until they raise their voice. And Ooh. I decided 
at that moment that I didn't want to be the mom who always had to go around yelling and raising <laughs> her voice. I wanted my kids to take me serious when I said things in a normal tone. And so that just meant that um, I was intentional about always keeping an even voice and making sure my kids knew that just because I wasn't yelling didn't mean it wasn't serious, that it was serious, you know, the first time I said it. So. This is gold. I need to pick your brain a little bit more on this. So my daughter is five and, you know, I, I do believe that like the Lord gives us the children that we need, you know, and my daughter is my gift to learn how to process all the emotions. She is very emotive and that has been hard for me to learn. And I don't want to be the mom that raises her voice, but I'm going to be honest, it happens. And when it happens, I go back and I apologize, you know, but so let me ask you for some advice then. What were some kind of techniques that you used to let them know, okay, I said that softly. You did not listen. This is the consequence because right now my daughter is very much, she's testing you. Know, she's wanting, you know, she has real clear thoughts about how she thinks things should go. So what were some techniques that you used with your children when you were training them about that? Well, it's important to practice when you're not in the heat of a moment, when it's not emotionally charged, just practice then and practice saying, you know, saying, Nora, your sweet little Nora. I love her name, by the way. Oh, Beautiful thank you. Name. Nora, I'm going to talk to you and I want to talk softly. So come close and listen closely and Ooh, just practice softly talking. Um, and the more you practice, the easier it gets until it's just, it's not a thing anymore, you know? Absolutely. And, and you, and I, I think you have to have, and see, when I was a camp counselor, I didn't have my mom voice or my mom faces. <laughs> I didn't have my mom powers yet. And so when you do become a mom and you can, you can use your mom powers. And it's amazing, though, because they work on other children and they work on some other adults, too. So you just you have this face that you make. It's like a poker face, I guess. They know it's serious you know, and, um, and never say things you don't mean, or you're not going to actually carry Absolutely. through on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Let's shift a little bit to kind of your day to day. You all are, you know, very involved, but yet you have a lot of time for each other. So, you know, for, um, for people that just want to make their home a more peaceful place and, but yet they, they are, they're busy with their careers or they're, you know, the things that they're committed to, Maybe they are, or maybe they're not homeschooling. Like, talk to me just about kind of that daily working of your home and how you approach that, that as a mother, the kind of home environment that you want to have. Well, I think if you think about when you do go on vacation, like when we went to Boone recently, we stayed in an Airbnb and it was awesome. It was a great um, cabin. They had so many special touches and just the right things there that um, we really didn't even want to leave the cabin. We could have just hung out there the whole time. So when you think about what makes a great vacation home, think about applying those same principles to your home. You know, what would you mm. do to your home if you listed it as an Airbnb? What would you fill it with? Um, what would you get rid of? Think about Ooh. all of those things. And give yourself the gift of living in an Airbnb all the time. 
I mean, that you're in control. You choose what's in your home or what your home looks like. And so you have the opportunity to do that. And so some of the things that we had noticed about really great vacation homes is that they minimize and clear clutter. And so mm-hmm. in our own home, we started just clearing the clutter. We started cleaning out closets and drawers. And um, when, you know, you're having to shove things in the closet to get the door to close, it's too full. A closet should only be two thirds full. If it's, if it's overflowing, you can't manage the things that are in it or enjoy it. If you can't see your clothes, you don't know what you have to wear. You, you end up wearing the same few things all the time anyway. Yeah, clearing the clutter was like the most important thing for making our home the kind of home we wanted to live in and enjoy and a place that we looked forward to coming back to. That really is amazing. You know, we have started to, you know, we've been decluttering as well, and but it just seems to, stuff just kind of appears like I'm, like it's magic. Poof. There's a pile of stuff. Where did that come from? But it is amazing that when we clear out a space, and it is decluttered, we go to that space more. You know, we we really have done a good job in our living room. It, only what is absolutely needed is there. And we are now in our living room all the time versus a den or the side room or something. And so I think you that's really good advice. You know, when your physical environment is in order, it kind of helps that emotional environment feel more peaceful. For sure. And it's just a place that you enjoy being. It appeals to you aesthetically. And, um, you know, lots of light is important. So open the blinds, take the blinds down, open the curtains, let in all the light. The more light, um, the more you enjoy being there. Light is life, right? Everything is more appealing when it's bright and light. And then um, another thing that we found really important and I know, I know from your home, Leah, that you do too, is that the fragrance, the scent in the home. And so yes. we love to diffuse in our home. You know, studies show that 75% of emotions are triggered by smell, which, you know, smell is linked to pleasure, to well-being, to emotions, Absolutely. to memories. And it's fascinating, but it's so true. So we don't do um, candles or plug-ins. We don't do any artificial fragrances, and I know we don't you, either. That's right. So mm-hmm. we diffuse our oils, and that is amazing how that can transform the atmosphere in your home. Even my husband in his um, office at the church, when he's counseling someone who's really sad and overwhelmed mm. or depressed, he will diffuse citrus oils, and mm-hmm. a lot of times they will just sit and talk and Mm. be near his diffuser and he never even says anything and they say you haven't even said anything but I already feel happier and so um, fragrance definitely plays a big part in our um, environment and in our ability to enjoy the where we are I mean nobody wants to be in a stinky room you know I'm thinking what I'm hearing from you is there's just these cues these subtle cues like what is the space feeling like? What is the space smelling like? What is it looking like with the light and everything? That's awesome. Um, you and I were, we went on vacation together a couple months ago. We were in the Dominican Republic and we had, it was a, it was a short little chat that we had at a cabana and you were talking to me. I don't even know how it came up, but you said the most beautiful phrase and I have, 
thought about it ever since. And that is that you want to create in your home a soft place to land always. And I think about your children now starting to get older, your daughters, you know, now maybe going to college soon or getting little jobs. And, you know, you were talking about, I always want them to know that this is the place that they can come back to. Can you talk to me more about that? Because that was so beautiful. And I think that all mothers feel that way. Oh, for sure. We all want our kids to come back to their nest, at least for just a little while. We probably don't want them to reside there permanently again, but at least for just a little while and to have it be a place of refuge. Um, you know, life can be hard. And when we get out and we um, are working or going around people or doing ministry, we find ourselves immersed in a lot of ugly things, sometimes sad things, and it can really overwhelm us and bring us down. And so at the end of the day, it's nice to have a place that you can come back to, to recharge, to feel refreshed. Uh, you never want your kids to dread coming home. And so mm. a lot of that can just be the underlying tension in the home, mm -hmm. um, not having peace in the home. And so it's always been very important to me that my house be, you know, clutter free, that there's good food here, lots of light, that they associate it with good fragrances, but also that it's a place with lots of laughter. And there's mm. some things that you can do. I mean, does it mean that we don't, have bad moments or that we don't have problems or challenges, but there's always things that you can do to soften those things and to make it not as harsh. And so you can have intentional conversations, you can have games, you can have, you know, always find ways to laugh. You can laugh or cry. And I say laugh every <laughs> single time. <laughs> Why cry when you can choose to laugh? And sometimes it is a choice. You just have to choose to, to laugh. And so one of um, a really thing, a really fun thing that we've made a tradition in our home and that has carried on through the years is we have a little stack of cards with questions on them. And when we have oh. um, dinner at the table together, we'll pull a question out and then we'll go around the table and everybody gets to answer. And it's just silly questions like, um, if you could go anywhere in the world, where would you go? If you want a million dollars, what would you buy? You know, and some of them are funny questions like, what's the weirdest thing you've ever smelled or you've ever eaten and with three little boys? They, I mean, you're going to have some hysterical <laughs> answers and some hysterical yes. laughter. Um, and I know you can like Google and find free printable questions. So you mm -hmm. don't have to buy a little game like what we have. We just did that for convenience, but there's just so many ways that you can intentionally bring laughter into your home and into the situation. I feel like laughter is kind of like a muscle, you know, and, and choosing, you know, we hear that, that phrase choose joy, but I think it really, it really is a muscle that we have to work. And like the more that you're like, Oh, that's funny. I'm actually going to laugh about that. Like the, I feel like as I make that choice to give that extra energy in that moment, it's easier to laugh about other things. And I mean, I can tend to be a serious person. So maybe this isn't other people's, you know, issue, but I literally sometimes have to say, stop being so serious, Leah, you know, that's funny. Enjoy this moment. <laughs> yes. It's that's so good. intentional. It is. Mm -hmm. It's so intentional. 
have you found that with that you really have grown with your children that maybe when Katie was little and you started learning lessons then you were able to apply it with Gracie and Emery and then the lessons that you learned with them is have you found that parenting for you has built upon itself Oh, absolutely. And I'm, it's much, it's much easier to laugh about things now than it was when they were all little. Um, and there, there's you know, like, you just learn over the years to relax. I think that's why grandparents are so lenient with their grandchildren. Oh, okay. <laughs> they've already practiced on their children and they've learned to just relax. And so maybe, um, you know, sometimes like I have six, some people have one, they stop with one. So they never get to experience like the first one's the one you practice on. It's your practice child. Absolutely. But then, <laughs> yes. But then the wrench in all of this is the trick that the, that the Lord plays on us is that every child is different and you're going to parent every single child different. So just when you think, oh, I'm really good at this. I've got this mastered. Oh, wait, no, <laughs> I'm still Someone learning. Else. I'm still figuring it out. Yes. You have a whole new ball game. But you do, you definitely do learn to relax and that you learn that kids do turn out to be good kids. And I mean, you, that's the thing is when they're three, that's an appropriate time to throw a temper tantrum. But yes. when you're 12 or 15 and you still haven't learned how to handle your emotions and process things and you're still throwing temper tantrums, that's not okay. So yes. when you're parenting, you're parenting this three-year-old, you don't, you like, sometimes you can deceive yourself and you think, oh, they're always going to suck a pacifier or they're always going to, you know, not be potty trained, but that's not waking me up all night. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the worst trick of all. You all, when you are getting up at night with a baby, you think you're, that's the rest of your life. Yes. But you don't realize it's such a small itty bitty season and it passes quickly and you go to a new season. So you're parenting with the end in mind. And so you, mm -hmm. you're everything between now and when they're adults is just practicing. They're practicing learning how to handle their emotions. They're practicing how to manage their money. And it's okay if they screw it all up and mm -hmm. they mess it all up because they're under your covering, your protection, and you're there to help them work through it so that when they are adults, they've already tried it. They've already practiced. They already know how to manage their money or manage a bank account. They already know how to deal with difficult people and how to mm. respond, you know, just practice. <laughs> oh, that is so good. You know, I think about what you just said, how to deal with difficult people, how to manage their money. I just think that that is a beautiful picture what you described that it's like a safety net. You're there so they can try something and maybe they'll say the wrong thing and they'll come back to you sad. And you're like, you know, you can help walk them through okay, how to mend that relationship or, you know, maybe they made a really bad instant gratification choice with their money. And, you know, but thank goodness they're not 30 and it's a matter of their mortgage payment. You know, it's just a matter for them of mowing the lawn again, you know, so... Absolutely. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love to think about what I would talk to myself if I was talking to Leah in the past or even Leah in the future. So if you could say something to yourself, maybe 10 years ago in your motherhood journey, would, would you have a message for yourself? 
I would. I would actually say, don't wait. Do all the things that you want to do. Do it now. Don't wait. Sometimes you think, well, when the kids are older, when they're bigger, it'll be easier to travel and to go, but it's not. You have, you have a whole nother set of obstacles and challenges. And actually it's easiest when they are little because their whole world is you and the things that you're doing. So pick up and go and do all the things. It may be hard and it may be challenging, but it's worth it. So don't wait. Don't say well, when the kids get bigger or when the kids get older, do all of the things now. And then on the flip side, if I could talk to my future self, I would also say, don't wait. Do all the things that are in your heart. Do them now. Oh, don't think, oh, when the kids are all grown, when you're retired or whatever, don't think that way. Be intentional. Make the things happen now. It's always a sacrifice. Everything mm -hmm. worthwhile is a sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And it's a lie. It's a deception to think that it'll be an easier sacrifice in the future because we mm -hmm. don't really know if we have the future. The past right. is gone. The future's uncertain. So the only time we do have is today. So do all the things Absolutely. today. All right, Amanda, now I know that you know how much I love to play games, so I've come up with a game to play with you today. I, I'm calling it That Southern for I have a few phrases uh, that are very, very common in the South, and I would love for you to translate and put that into a sentence for us, all right? We're going to start out okay. really, really easy. All right, I'm Bless. excited. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be so good at this. Okay. Please translate and put in a sentence for us. Bless your heart. Okay. So bless your heart is super versatile. It can be used in lots of situations and circumstances. <laughs> bless your heart can mean sincerely bless your heart. You poor thing. I feel so <laughs> bad for you, but it can also mean mm, go to H-E double hockey sticks. <laughs> So if you were mad at someone, be, what would you say? Oh, okay. If I was mad at someone, I would be like, now listen, bless your heart. <laughs> or, or, well, bless your heart. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. Okay, here's another one. Fit to be tied. Fit to be tied. Listen, if I'm fit to be tied, I am mad. I have lost my mind and something <laughs> terrible is going to happen. And we can forget all those intentional things we've talked about because I am fit to be tied. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. How about this one? Gussied up. Oh, gussied up. That means you're going on a date night. That means you're all prettied up. You're going out with your girlfriends. You're going to have a you're, good time. You're going to town. <laughs> going to town. I'll gussied up. <laughs> That's right. Okay, here, here's another one. Tan your hide. Oh, goodness. You don't want to get your hide tanned, especially not if somebody's fit to be tied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those two go together. <laughs> oh, that's not good. Tan your hide, it means your mama's gonna get your tail. <laughs> Piddling. Piddling. Oh, now piddling's what you do when you got the game apps open on your phone. You're just piddling. Or when you're <laughs> when you're watching TV and you should be doing other things, you're just piddling. But now piddling could also be um, mess when guys go mess around in the garage or in the yard, they're just piddling. 
but they really are doing something. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay, this is one of my favorite ones. That dog won't hunt. Oh, goodness. That dog won't hunt. It's worthless. <laughs> What's the point? If the dog won't hunt, there's no point. So, yeah, that mean, that's not a compliment. <laughs> yeah, those are bless those their are, hearts. <laughs> yeah, bless their heart. That dog won't hunt. <laughs> now, listen, bless your heart also means that you can talk, you can gossip about somebody and it's okay as long as you bless their heart at the end. You got to watch okay. out for these Southerns. <laughs> All right. I've got two quick, uh, two, two other ones. Tell us what a buggy is. It's a shopping cart. <laughs> yes. Yes. A buggy. But now um, I'm in South Carolina at the deep south, the low country, almost in Georgia. And we say cart. We don't say buggy. Oh. Buggy oh. the Appalachian, Virginia thing. <gasps> oh, we're getting like yes. linguistics here. Yes. Oh, I we did not. Know. Okay. So you guys say pop. We say soda. I, okay. In, in Michigan or in the north, we say pop. And what do you say there? Soda. Well, I would say that in Appalachia, in Southwest Virginia, they say Coke. You think they say Coke? Yes. I I need to have a Coke. What do you all have? Okay, I'll have a Dr. Pepper. Gotcha. (laughs) Well, we we grew up in the Southwest Virginia, and we grew Uh up saying pop. Really? But listen to this. My grandmother, who was from Castlewood, Virginia, called it dope. because it was coke she thought that it had dope in it and apparently this is like a whole little pocket of southwest virginia that says dope and she would say i don't want any of that dope don't give me any of that dope to drink (laughs) oh my heavens this little microcosm hilarious yes yes okay last one knee high to a grasshopper no i don't know that one i really (gasps) don't what does that one mean Okay, you okay. did. Let me tell you. Okay, so knee high to a grasshopper is basically a child. When I was knee high to a grasshopper, you know, I, you know, I tried to follow my brother and sister around all the time. Or, you know, I've known that person since they were knee high to a grasshopper. Well, that's awesome. I can't believe I taught you one. Yay! You did. You taught me one. What are you? reading or listening to that's inspiring right now i'm reading jensen franklin's book about forgiveness and it's been amazing it's really um pricked my heart and made me really dig deep and evaluate um how i feel and relationships that i have and and it's just so much about love and about loving through all the circumstances even difficult circumstances so it's a really good book i highly recommend and then to um the gold digger podcast that you actually recommended to me i'm loving it and it's so exciting about her news i have loved following jenna and for you all that are listening be sure to check out her podcast the gold digger podcast it is amazing it's full of value every episode she is so savvy and then they recently found out they are pregnant so it's Great. I've loved her podcast too. Okay. Um, another fun question. What was the last thing you Amazon primed? The last thing I Amazon primed actually is cow costumes for my children because we're having, 
we're having um, a watermelon festival in our small town. And the theme is eat more melon. And in the youth parade, they're going to do a whole play on the uh, Chick-fil-A eat more chicken. Thing so and turn into an eat more melon uh, to be in the youth parade. It's golf carts and wagons oh, and four so wheelers, and so they're going to ride their sister Katie's golf cart in cow costumes. <laughs> oh my heavens! How adorable! Love small towns. Okay, last question: What oil have you been using or reaching for a lot lately? Okay, so the oil that I've been reaching for a lot is actually Console. Mm -hmm. um, my two oldest children have had lots of life changes over the last year. Yes. And I just found myself needing like a little extra support for all my feelings and for my comfort. And yes, and it just smells so wonderful. It's like an expensive cologne. I love it. I love it. I have loved that one too. Okay. I have been putting that in, a, in my diffuser at night. You want me to tell you what I've been using? Tell me. I have been doing console. Breathe, wild orange, and now stick with me here, pedigree. Really? And it has been beautiful and so comforting. So you'll have to give that a try. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Oh, I'm totally, I'm there. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. Before we leave and say goodbye, please tell people where they can find you and Brian and all the kids on the interwebs and how they can reach out or connect and follow along with your story. Okay, we are, we actually have a website called trenttribe.com and uh, we actually blog there and we have a YouTube channel where we're always updating videos and we have links to those there as They're well. They're so good. So, Instagram, um, we have a family Instagram that's Trent Tribe Essentials and then we also, I also have a personal Instagram which is Amanda Ferguson Trent. We look forward to connecting. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you. All right, that's a wrap. Be sure to check out the show notes for all of the links to everything we mentioned today. And a last reminder, there are still a few more days left to our giveaway, so be sure to check that out if you are listening to this in June of 2018. That link is in the show notes as well. And finally, if you would give just a second to rate and review the Small Queendom podcast, I would love that. And if you have a question to submit to me, I just might answer it on a future show. So you can DM me over at Small Queendom on Instagram, or you can send me an email, leah at smallqueendom.com, and send me your message. We'll talk to you next time. Bye.